Navy Fans Podcast, episode 125. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening. We really do appreciate it. I hope we, I hope that comes across when we do these episodes, how much we do appreciate anybody who decides to, to listen to the show. So, Sam, how was your week, man? It was good. I think the feedback from last episode, uh, maybe because of pure curiosity, people just tuned in a little bit more for last episode <laughs> because of the title and the stories, and I hope people really enjoyed that. Um, the NFL offseason keeps is the gift that keeps on giving, man, and I know you're uh, buzzing because an AFC finally someone from the AFC West left. Leaves, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the... Uh... Everybody was taking the train coming to the AFC West. Nice that one finally actually left the station, so that was nice. Um, before we get into all of that, I feel like the last episode, well, I mean, the last episode, the intro, uh, the first five minutes of the video sort of took place of what the title of the video was going to be. Um, I really miss doing fun facts like that at the beginning of the show, so I'm going to try to bring them back again as much as I can. I found one today. Um about the Jacksonville Jaguars that I thought was really <laughs> interesting. Um, keep in mind before I read this stat that the Jacksonville Jaguars have only been around since 1995. So they're kind of a newer franchise in that sense. They haven't been around for a while. I mean, for a long time. So Doug Peterson is now the new head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In saying that, he needs just three wins as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach to have the fifth most wins in franchise history as a head coach. He only needs 69 wins to have the most, but he only needs three to have the fifth most wins for a coach in Jacksonville history. I thought that was interesting just because I think if I would, if somebody would have come up to me and asked me to guess that number, I would have never settled on three. Who's got the most? It's a very good question. An answer that um, I can look up for you in uh, 10 seconds. Like, is it, is it Tom Coughlin? <laughs> Tom Coughlin from those um, earlier, early 2013, 14, 15 Jacksonville Jaguars teams? or Because they went to a Super Bowl, right? Early 2000s? They went to... Um, uh, you were right. It is Tom Coughlin. Nice pull. <laughs> nice pull. That that was that was really good. Uh, Coughlin's record with the team as a head coach is sixty-eight and sixty. Still not great, but with with that franchise, that's pretty good. Yeah, I know that is a great pull. I I hands up will admit I would not have gotten that. Well, he's he's still with them, right? He's still running there. He might not be running football operations anymore, but I thought he was still with them. He was with the team for a long time. Yeah, he was. He was. But there you have it. So Tom Coughlin, the most winningest or the winningest, that's the right way to say it, head coach in Jacksonville Jaguar history. But you only need three wins to be the fifth most. So there you go. Which Urban Meyer was not able to do, I don't think. (laughs) We could be signed on and get three wins. Give us exactly. a couple of years. We might get three. I think we get three. Stumble into three, especially with how the NFL was last year. We get three exactly. Wins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think I think they need to save us a spot just to – oh, Kings won. There you go. Just popped up on my feed. Yes. All right. So let's get into this. NFL. So Bleacher Report posted something that had – all of like big name free agents that have moved this season. And I just wanted mm-hmm. to talk about it because when you really look at it, it's crazy. I don't know if we can go as far as saying that this off season has had <clears throat> the most movement period. I don't know if anybody knows that, but I think in terms of the sheer name value of players, it feels like this has been an offseason that's had the most the most movement of players who really seem like they're gonna make it a big, big impact on their mm-hmm. team. So I'll just I'll just go down the list. <clears throat> and this goes all the way up to the Tyreek Hill thing that just happened today. So Julio Jones was cut, Baker Mayfield asked for a trade, Matt Ryan traded, Amari Cooper traded, Khalil Mack traded Carson Wentz traded Vaughn Miller signed 120 million dollars with the Bills Aaron Rodgers returned 
Tom Brady, unretired. Deshaun Watson, traded. Devontae Adams, traded. Russell Wilson, traded. Tyreek Hill, traded. That is a long laundry list of players <clears throat> that either got traded or went to a new team because they were a free agent, came back from retirement, even though it didn't really feel like he retired. Aaron Rodgers was doing whatever he was doing. <laughs> he stayed in Green Bay. So just it seems like every single week there's something new. And I think for for our show specifically, because we only have one episode a week, filming later on in the week has been helpful because we get this news. We've gotten it like it. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's so much throughout the week that if we film on Monday and release it on Friday, it would no longer be relevant, it seems like, because something is happening constantly. Yeah, but it seems like we're really getting towards the end of it. I guess the last domino to fall is the whole Baker situation, and then that seems like it'll probably be the end of all the big-time movement. So where do we think Baker's going to go? If he is, if we're going to say that he's the last domino, what makes the most sense? Does Seattle make the most sense? And I know you say he's the last domino, but I know DK Metcalf has been in talks with or has been rumored to be on the move. Mm-hmm. That could happen. Um, but if we're talking about Baker, what teams desperately need a quarterback right now? Seattle is in need of a quarterback. Carolina. Um, who else? Off the Carolina, yeah. Um, uh, te- I know Texans will. The Texans will, yeah, but they just got Davis Mills, so I wonder if they'd be willing to bring Baker in to compete. You think, well, I know that the Giants were in talks to get Russell Wilson to have somebody come compete with Daniel Jones. I don't think Baker, I don't think they'd, well, maybe they would, I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, Seattle feels like the place that has the biggest because at least Carolina does have a quarterback that I guess they acquired last season but that's been an objective disaster Um, did Atlanta is that uh, Mariota deal done I think the Mariota deal is done yeah so they're they're definitely out so very very happy for Mariota in that sense he was I'm you know, it's nice to see a Raider go off and do do good things. Um, New Orleans, Jameis Winston is staying with them. Signed him for signed him to a two year deal. Feels like Seattle really is the place with the biggest hole. Um, I, I can see. I mean, I mean, I could see a team like Pittsburgh, even if I think they're very content with Trubisky, but I would much rather have Baker Mayfield than Trubisky. And you got Trubisky on a cheap. I mean, he's only getting 10 mil. That, to me, would give me a little more confidence in getting, making the playoffs because it's going to be – you're going to have to get 10, 11 wins to make the playoffs this year in the AFC. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I don't think the Browns would trade him in the division, though. Do they have a choice? Is there anyone left? Like, I think the Niners at this point may be sitting there like, we don't want to trade Jimmy G to Seattle if they really want him. But at this point, if you can get – a second for him, do it. Who who would you rather have right now? Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? I think man, I think Jimmy's better. I think Baker's shown a little higher play, but then his lows are I think are way lower than Jimmy's lows are. And they're both in they're both banged up right now. So you can't really yeah. use the injury scenario because it seems like Baker gets a new injury on a different ligament every year so so i don't think you can really use the injury excuse for it i think i'd I'd much rather have jimmy but that probably comes down to me seeing jimmy a lot more yeah um and i keep coming back to seattle as the team that really just has the biggest hole at the moment i guess if we're thinking about what logically makes the most sense in terms of you know what place desperately needs somebody then they obviously make the most sense in that uh in that matter i 
you're right. The Texans could bring Baker Mayfield in and have him compete with Davis Mills. Um, I mean, hell, there's no reason why the Falcons couldn't bring in Baker Mayfield and have him compete with Mariota. Mariota didn't have a gigantic deal, so there's no reason why they couldn't do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think another team, too, is Miami. If they really are sort yeah. of hesitant on Tua and they've gone all in with this Tyree Kill deal, I think bringing in Baker is sort of a nice backup option because he's he's at least got this year, and then if it doesn't work out, I think he's he's gone after next year. So you don't have to pay him after that. I could you know? I could see a scenario in which Tampa Bay brought uh, brought in Baker as a backup, and then when if let's say hypothetically Brady retires after this season, which maybe he does, maybe he doesn't they would immediately have an option to bridge whoever they wanted to have next by yeah. having Baker on the roster. I'm not saying he, you'd bring him in to start or hit him your franchise quarterback, but at least with Brady potentially being year to year, you could have somebody on your roster who, if you were going to wait a year to try to get somebody after he retired, you'd have <clears throat> you know, a, a, an established quarterback in the league to bridge whoever you were going to bring in next. Mm. Yeah, I don't it, think that's likely, but it definitely looked a lot better for the quarterback market before we knew that really Deshaun Watson was going to get moved, Russell Wilson was available, and Matt Ryan was available too. Those just totally sewed up a lot of spots. I, do you want to talk about the the Matt Ryan deal or the Tyree Kill deal first? Let's do the Ryan deal because that'll be. The Hill deal is more um, is more relevant right now, and the farther away we get from the Ryan deal, the less interesting it'll be to talk about. So let's hit the Ryan thing real quick. Where does where do the Colts now rank with Matt Ryan in the AFC as um, as their quarterback? What what would you what would you sort of classify them as? Like a, a deep run team, or a first round playoff team, or are they in contention to? make it to the Super Bowl? I don't see them making it to the Super Bowl because I think the Bills definitely have a leg up, leg up on them. I think the Bengals still, I trust them a little bit more. Uh, this team, for me, is exactly like the Phillip Rivers-led Colts team because I think Matt Ryan at this point in his career gives you what Phillip gave you back then. And I think this team wins their division for sure. For me, I think they they win it over Tennessee. Uh, they still have a long way to go with the weapons that it, that they need to put around Matt Ryan because he's yeah, never they, really had a team. We've never seen Matt Ryan without good weapons around him, really ever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Let's, I'm looking at so the Colts have Michael Pittman, uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Moali Cox, Jonathan Taylor. They have Doyle, tight end. Um, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, DK Metcalf would go to. Um, but do they have the picks? The Colts. Do they have enough picks to do that anymore? I don't know. Not after. Probably not after the trade. But I mean, well, Pittman, Pittman, I guess proved he can be a number one wide receiver. They just don't have the. I mean, you go down the AFC and you look at the weapons that you know, the Bills have and the weapons that now the Dolphins have, uh, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, Bengals, um, hell, even the Browns now, the Titans. I mean, all of these teams have deep wide receiver cores. And the, the Colts feel like they have, one, I guess to me, on the surface level, one of the weaker wide receiver cores. However, they have, you know, potentially the second best running back, if not the best running back in the league. So yeah, maybe that... This could all change too with, with if Julio decides that he wants to come back and play with Matt Ryan too. I mean, that's, that's just true. a slam yeah. dunk right there. He he's not going to give you a thousand plus yards, but he gives you those big plays, that veteran leadership, that uh, that uh, security for Matt Ryan to where any big play, any big third down, he can toss it up to Julio Jones. He's going to go get it. Yeah, and I mean, if Pittman's going to be the number one, then you know Julio doesn't even have to. You don't even have to demand that he gets a thousand yards either. Mm-hmm. You know, he could be somebody who only gets about 700, 800 yards, and 
you know, 73, 63 catches and just like a situational kind of, okay, hey, Julio, we're at the 10-yard line. You're our biggest guy. We're just going to throw it up to you and go do what you do. <laughs> like we're talking giving him 45, 50 snaps a game. We're not talking like – or even less than that probably like 40 to 45 snaps a game. Yeah. Where he's playing 80%, 75% of the offensive snaps. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about the Julio thing, but that's a nice idea because that would make sense for them to bring in Julio and Paramount with Matt. Who um, do you think? Who do you think really needs DK Metcalf? Because he it sounds like he's available. Seattle is feeling offers for him. Who do you think? Oh hell, now the, the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. um, they do have Juju, but, but he's nothing compared to DK. No, absolutely not. Um, let's see. So if we go down the, okay, so the Steelers did lose Juju, so the Steelers could take him. They have Deontay Johnson still. They do have Deontay, um, but I mean, who do they have after that? Nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's the point <laughs> that I'm trying to make. I know they have their uh, new their new rookie tight end, um, whose name I'm blanking. Priorview, Pat Priorview, um, who had a good season. Um, so, like, is it a, could, does he have to go to the AFC? No, he doesn't. But I'm, <laughs> I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just going down the teams. The but Titans, the... <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, the NFC. So the Cowboys could use him. They lost. They Amari. just paid. They just paid Gallup. Yeah, I know. I'm just running down teams who I'm like running down the list of teams who may not have a number one wide receiver. What about the Eagles? If it depends how much they like Devontae Smith, I think at this point. Um, and there are no, I don't think they're in any position to retool because he doesn't really fit that team. I know they have Terry McLaurin, but the commanders, maybe. Um, yeah, that could be pretty interesting. Um, the Jets, hey, if the Jets aren't a, in a market for a big time wide receiver, it seems like they're able, yeah. they're willing to throw away picks and sign dues to an extension. Um, the Saints. Let's be honest. Probably not. (laughs) But you're just saying. But you were. I guess you were more. I thought you were more asking like what places you know would could use him and. Right. No, no, I totally Um, get you. What about what about the Bears? They just lost Allen Robinson. Pair DK up with Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And um, was it Gabriel that had a really good year? There with Justin Fields, I I think he's got to go to the AFC though, because it just seems like all these AFC teams are being put on notice. Like the Chiefs have to make no. this deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Chiefs That's have to make this deal. The I it's, think it's mind blowing that they traded away Tyree Kill, and I guess it just didn't fit. They didn't want to pay him that that money. And it's I read um I read Tyree Kill's like letter to the organization and everything with fans, and it seemed like they were they were uh, breaking up pretty cordially. Like there's nothing, there's no ill wills about it at all. Um, so I guess the chiefs probably have something in their back pocket to where they're not going to be satisfied with just getting Juju this year. Yeah. So with Tyree going to the dolphins, um, I mean, that just adds, I mean, you have three teams in that division who realistically could make the playoffs. The Bills, obviously. The Patriots, they were 10 and 7 last year. The Dolphins made a run at the end of the season last year. They were 9 and 8. So that's three teams right there. You go to the AFC West, which all four teams could make the playoffs. The AFC North, I think all four teams could make the playoffs. Um, And then the AFC South, you know, you have the Titans and the Colts. And the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. And now with Matt Ryan, the Colts might even beat out the Titans to win that division. So, I mean, you realis- realistically have much, like, probably 75% of the AFC, if not 80%, who can make a legitimate claim that, yes, they're making a run for the playoffs this season. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think even Jacksonville probably is sitting there telling themselves that they could try to make a run. With the, the money that they've been throwing around, it seems like they're telling themselves that. So let's do let's do a little fun game real quick. Let's do way too early playoff predictions. And I mean like 
this is still moves to be made, but we're talking about what is today? March 23rd, the day that we're filming. Way too early playoff predictions. So AFC East, are we both going to take the Bills to win that division? Yeah, I think hands down. Okay, I think that is a I think that's a safe get. All right, AFC West with the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're still the Chiefs. The Raiders right now. I'm hearing so many people talk about how people are starting to like fall in love with the Raiders and their offense right now. They still need to shore up some spots in their defense, but maybe it's just me being pessimistic about the team and not wanting to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos. Who are we thinking to win wins that division? I think that I got the Chargers for me right now. I expect Kansas City to make a move with how aggressive organizations have been this offseason, really how willing every organization is to make a move, that I expect them to do something. But for right now, with how rosters are, I think the Chargers are a little stronger than the team. I think it's safe. Are we going to say that the Bengals are going to win the AFC North? Oh, so I wanted you to stall for me so I could look to see what Baltimore's roster looks like. Um, before I just gave that to Cincinnati because they're usually pretty deep, but I don't remember them making any moves. I didn't see any, at least, yeah, I didn't see any huge additions or subtractions from that team. They were so hurt by injury last year, so. Right. I think it's got to be the Bengals for me, but I think it's going to, that division is going to be decided by one game. Oh, yeah. And my opinion on this would probably change if Deshaun was for sure going to play. However, without that 100%, then I would probably just give it to the to So, the you're, saying, so you're saying the Browns would be your favorites to win the division if Deshaun I, was playing? I think maybe. I mean, with, with Deshaun and Cooper and that running game, and I would got, I got to think that their defense would get a little bit – Maybe, uh, maybe I, as I'm saying it, I don't feel as confident because I guess I have to remember that I guess we're just in the Super Bowl, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the Browns were only two games behind the Bengals last season and they just added like a top five QB in the league. Like the last season, Deshaun Watson played, he was arguably the best quarterback in the league. So, I mean, that's hard to that's hard to argue with, but he's been gone for a while, so uh, I don't know. Uh, AFC South, I think I agree with you. I think I'd pick the Colts and Matt mm-hmm. Ryan to to win that division, which means we'd come down to three wild card teams, and the wild card teams that we would be deciding over would be the Titans, the Steelers, the, the, the Browns, conference. the Ravens, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. I think it's easier to eliminate teams. At this point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think the point that I'm really trying to illustrate with this is that once you get through whoever the division winners are going to be, and let's just for argument's sake say it's the Bills, Chargers, Bengals, and Colts, what you have left over for those last three spots are the Patriots, who went 10-7, and seven, the Dolphins, who went 9-8, and eight, the Raiders, who went 10-7, and seven, the Chiefs, who went 12-5, and five. the Broncos, who just added Russell Wilson, the Steelers, the Browns, the Ravens, and the former AFC South division winners and number one seed in the AFC, the Titans. I mean, the AFC West is just insane. There are going to be teams who get left out of the playoffs who wholeheartedly deserve to be in. Yeah, I mean, it's... We're going to have some 10-win teams that are – we're also going to have a conference that's going to eat itself alive and potentially beat itself up so much to where the winner of the NFC gets a beaten-up team and they just get to pick up the pickings from it, pick off the easy pickings, something like that. Yeah, because I feel like in the NFC you have the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Rams. Easy division winners are definitely the division winners. And then the rest, you kind of, I mean, you have the Cowboys who are 12 and five and mm-hmm. the Cardinals who were 11 and six, but they were, that record does not 
I mean, they started off hot, but at the end of the season, they really struggled. The Niners, who, I mean, were plagued by injury a little bit. We'll see what happens with their quarterback situation. The NFC North is all over the place. It's really just the Packers. And then the NFC South is, again, all over the place a little bit, too. I mean, the Saints have a really good defense, and they actually were playing really well when Jameis was their quarterback. So who knows what they'll be. But, I mean, the AFC has, like, double the amount of good teams the NFC does right now. It just feels like it's an army race in that whole entire conference. Yeah, definitely. And we didn't even talk – we alluded to their past records, but – pretty much all those teams across the board apart from Tennessee and Kansas city got better, made huge, significant moves. Really. I mean, you can just add on one to two plus wins to all those records that you listed for those wildcard teams and help four plus wins for Denver with all the moves that they've made. But still it's like, that doesn't even capture half of it of like how competitive that division, that conference is going to be. I mean, legitimately, in the AFC West, all four teams could have 10 wins. They're not all making the playoffs, I'll tell you that. Yeah, they're not all making the playoffs. But it wouldn't, like, would it surprise you if I said any of the AFC West teams finished with 12 wins? Any of them. That's tough, because they have to beat each other. I I, I can't see the Chargers getting 12 wins, and we just put them as the division favorites, and I don't really see Kansas City getting to 12 wins again with now Denver being so good. So if I put them in like any other conference, could you see? Oh, if you put them in the NFC North or the NFC South or something, I think they get fourteen wins. Right, all of each of those teams, right? Not the Raiders, but maybe oh, wow. all the okay. other teams. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, it's it's crazy and all the movement it feels like has been to the AFC and it's just so I I really have wondered why that is you know I I get it's one of those things for me that all of these moves and everybody keeps making jokes about oh the AFC West is getting insane or why is everybody going to the AFC well I wonder why like legitimately I wonder why it's it it does feel as if the players are kind of flocking towards that conference and I I don't know why, because I feel like I feel like the 49ers would be an attractive place to go. I feel like the Packers would kind of be an attractive place to go. The Saints, maybe. Yeah, the um, Bay now. Da- yeah, Dallas is Dallas. Um, the Rams still. Or- yeah, I, the Bears have a young and upcoming quarterback, and they have a solid defense, and they have a whole new coaching staff. And I, I mean, I. I that will be an answer we'll never get, but I, I wonder why. So I, have a, I, have a theory there. I have a theory here. See, I think it comes down to the level of like really proven young quarterback talent that's in the AFC that you really don't have in the NFC. You know, we went, it was what, a couple episodes ago or the Keegan episode when we went over yeah. the QBs, the younger QBs and Dak. And we listed them yeah. <laughs> from like the one to twelve. Most of them were in the AFC, and Deshaun Watson stayed in the AFC. Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of what these organizations, these owners, GMs are looking at. It's like we have a Justin Herbert on a lower deal. We can really maximize and capitalize on his youthful, this youthful part of his career, and really strengthen this team around him. I think you get that a lot with. Um, with another team like Miami who really wants to uh, like support Tua who's from the same draft only a couple of years ago uh, the Bengals have put a lot of talent around Joe Burrow I think that's really a part of it where you see a lot of proven quarterback talent Josh Allen gets guys probably to come to Buffalo which isn't a super big hotbed but because he's so good they're able to pitch that and be like we know what we're going to get from Josh Allen He's going to be amazing. That's probably, I mean, Occam's razor. That's probably the answer just because that seems like that's the simplest, the simplest way to think about it is, yeah, a lot of the great quarterbacks are in the AFC. And not only are a lot of the great quarterbacks in the AFC, they're all young. Like you said, 
Mm-hmm. The two, the two uh, goats, quote unquote, the old guys are in the NFC, <laughs> um, and it's everybody and, else, and it's everybody else. Um, and Matthew Stafford isn't a goat by any means, but he's older too, um, at least in football terms. So, I mean, yeah, that probably is the simplest answer. It's probably because of the loaded depth that the AFC has in terms of their quarterback play. And you have a lot of you have a lot of organizations that want to take that next step, like a Denver, like a Cleveland, that really feel like now is the time. So I think it's it's a mix of there's a lot of places that have that quarterback position sewn up that really want to bring in those ancillary pieces to make that team better. But then there's also coincidentally at the same time a Denver a Cleveland and Indianapolis that is really being uber aggressive that has the roster around that wants to really soak that quarterback play. So you're just getting it all to happen in one off season in really one month of, of the off season, which is so crazy. Yeah. It's been, it's been unbelievable, but it's been entertaining. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, we talked a lot about in previous years about the NBA and how the offseason is almost more exciting than the season. And this offseason for the NFL has been almost the same in that sense, just with the amount of movement that there's been. I wonder if that's going to become common. I wonder how – I feel like everybody moves in the offseason for the NBA, and I feel like – in past years, it hasn't been the same for the NFL, but maybe we're seeing a shift in the the mentality of football players. Maybe, maybe we're going to start seeing that more often. Who knows? But I think as fans, I mean, we're all for it. Shake up the league every year. Why not? <laughs> so we got to hopefully in a couple of years, the NFC gets a little more talent so we can have, so we can have a little more competitive NFC that the wild card division for the wild card uh, week for the NFC playoffs is going to be a little, little light. Yeah. This year. Most We're going to have a, a new Orleans versus a green Bay or something. Yeah. Which week one of last season was a blowout <laughs> for the Saints. Yeah. So, well, that is most of the football news that we wanted to get to today. One of the things that I wanted to throw in at the uh, in this episode is the, I guess, quote-unquote, breaking news that happened today, which happened in the NBA, which primarily affects Brooklyn in the sense that the mandate that is in place for, uh, well, New York – uh, the COVID mandate, which has been disallowing Kyrie Irving to play at the home games, looks like it's going to get lifted, which means Kyrie is going to be allowed to play, which means Brooklyn is going to be at full strength. Oh, which Ben Simmons didn't come back yet, has he? Uh, not as far as I have seen, no. Um, but what that means is that they're all going to be there. They're all going to be there. And right now, Brooklyn is the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Let's assume that that holds. Brooklyn will be the eighth seed playing against the Heat. Is anybody going to not take Brooklyn in that series if Kyrie, Durant, and Simmons are all playing in every game? There's no way. Especially with how well they've been playing. Kyrie Irving's been playing out of his mind. He's had an insane season when he's played. Yeah, good thing he gets like a week off between each game, but he's played out of his mind. I at that point, with all of them being there, even though they're the A seed, I think they're the clear favorite to come out of the East. I really do. I think the only team that would really give them some trouble is the 76ers. Mm-hmm. How, are you shocked to see how well Harden and Embiid have been able to play together? A little bit. Um, only because so I guess I, I look at it from from two different lenses. And one 
if you look at it from the sense that Embiid is a very ball dominant player and demands a lot of attention um, because you know he has the ball almost every possession uh, down low. Yes, I am surprised they've worked well it, um, because they both do that just on different points in the, uh, on the court itself. So they're two very ball dominant players on opposite ends of the, uh, I guess, just the offensive side of the ball. However, with that being said, they actually do have a bit of a, they do have a skill set that does complement each other in the sense that for the same argument that you could make that they wouldn't work together because one is a, a big man and one is a guard and they both, they're both isolation type players in that sense. And they both um, have the ball a lot in the same sense, because they do play opposite positions. If they do decide, which they have to work together in that sense, that immediately what you have is the most unstoppable play in basketball if run correctly, in my opinion, which is the pick and roll. I mean, if you need having the ball the entire time, dribble, 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 kind of down in the post and doing his thing, you could do all game. Same thing with Harden. And they could just as easily not pass it to, to each other and get those points that way. However, using working together in that sense it does allow for everybody else to also get involved and for them to sort of set each other up. So I think I could have seen it work against them because they're so ball dominant, but in the same sense, because they are so ball dominant, they attract so much attention because of that pick and roll, which makes the pick and roll, which is already an unstoppable play. Like I said, if run correctly, it makes it even worse for a defense because you have two extremely viable options to finish on that pick and roll. So yeah, very easily couldn't have worked, but because they went the opposite direction with it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all because running a pick and roll correctly is so hard to defend, but it's even harder when you have two players who can score from any spot on the court. And so after saying all that, would you still take Brooklyn over Philly? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm in the same boat because I think Kevin Durant's just—he's unguardable. You can't do anything with him. You can't throw Tobias Harris at him. Like he is just completely unguardable. And if Kyrie gives you half of what he's been giving you, and Ben Simmons sprinkles in a little defense, that team is way too good at offense. Well, and don't discount the fact that Seth Curry has been playing really well as well. And say what you want about Ben Simmons on the offensive side of the ball. He's a great defender. He is a great defender. So you wouldn't have to tell Durant and Kyrie to go guard hard. You could just send Simmons on him and say, hey, you don't have to score. That's totally fine. We have Seth. We have Durant. We have Kyrie. All good. Pester James the entire game. Make life miserable for him. Mm -hmm. And he could just do that. And he would be so valuable for them on the defensive end just doing that because then the, everybody else doesn't have to expend as much effort on on defense. They're such a loaded team with Patty Mills, Seth Curry. I think Drummond's given them a little bit of yeah uh, presence down low. They also have the, the younger center who's playing really well. What's his name? Oh, gosh. Well, in, in case he's been playing really well. I wish I could find it really quick. Oh, and uh, Goran Dragic, also their newest addition. And they have Dragic, yeah. That's and true. he's been playing really well when um, it's Claxton. It's Claxton. Uh, <laughs> hopefully that was worth it. Uh, <laughs> Dragic has been playing super well in the absence of Curry and Irving, too, on home games. And he's been able to fill in that spot. So all the looks and all the ball handlers that they have to throw in in the playoffs is – going to serve them so well they have so many guys that are really like big effort guys like Claxton like Brown you know like they just got pieces over there yeah I I don't see a scenario in which Brooklyn Brooklyn doesn't come out of the east if that mandate does in fact get lifted I think they run away with the east I really do I don't think any team takes them to seven games 
And I think they automatically, I think they're the favorites to win um, the NBA Finals too. I'd take them over Phoenix or Golden State or Dallas or if somehow the Lakers make it. Wouldn't that be so... God, I imagine that would just kill James Harden internally. If as soon as he leaves, the mandate gets lifted, they all get back, and then they run and win a championship without him. Oh, man. (laughs) He's got to be so stubborn, though, or you know, so hard-headed that he'd be, I think he'd be fine with it because of how mad and upset he was at Kyrie and eventually Kevin Durant towards the end. Probably, but that would just sting so much, I I imagine. He would kind of fall into the Russell Westbrook sort of. He's probably already there. Oh, you think he's, this is his fourth team now? And potentially can't win anything. At least, at least in my mind, he—I mean—he's more talented than Westbrook, easily. He's a better player than Westbrook, easily. Um, well, Westbrook, when he was in his prime, was another animal. But um, yeah, I mean, he's in—he's in the category of—I mean, he's in the—I guess Carmelo's in that same kind of category too, like ridiculously talented players who just couldn't get it done. I think James has been in the league long enough that he, I mean, he's probably been in the league as long as, as Russ has. Um, so we're close to it. So I, I think they're both in that category in this, again, just players who are very talented. who just, you couldn't win a championship with. And maybe that's different. It'll change. That'll change immediately if they win. If they win one, that that immediately gets thrown out the window. But as of right now, you just have to go off of what's what sample you have. Yeah, I don't think they. I don't think he can win one with him being the primary option anymore. I think he's got. He's no, well, definitely Westbrook. Right. If you, if West, if Russell Westbrook's your primary option, you're not making the playoffs. Right. <laughs> you put Westbrook on the Kings; they're playing worse than what they're doing now. Well, he still wouldn't be the primary option, I don't think. No, I think Fox is better than Westbrook right now. Yeah, and I think Sabonis is uh, playing at a level that is, yeah, I mean, he's been great. Yeah, and that's the Kings. So if Westbrook can be primary player on the Kings, then, oof. I would trust Harrison Barnes more than Russell Westbrook. (laughs) 100%. Give me Rashawn Holmes. Over Westbrook, even <laughs> this pow, even this powdery Rashawn Holmes, give give him to me. Right. Oh man. Well, I mean, I think there's only like a few games left. There's a handful of games left before we hit the playoffs, and once the playoffs come, we're gonna cover the playoffs really hard. I know I am. It's I haven't been paying a lot of attention to the regular season, but it's totally different once the playoffs come. Um, once the playoffs comes, it's like an every game kind of thing. Just gotta watch them all. Um, but the regular season just isn't as isn't as interesting. But the playoffs, NBA playoffs, are are a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and I'm super excited for them to come. Baseball is also back. Um, I got the I told you I told Sam and I mentioned this on the show plenty of times that I was going to uh, pay more attention to at least the Giants this year, and I was getting updates about the game today. They lost to the Diamondbacks. Um, it's only spring training. Yeah, it is only spring training, but they're one and four. So <laughs> doesn't matter. I know it really does. It really doesn't matter. I know. Um. So the last thing that I wanted to um, bring up on this podcast is more something that I wanted to tell you about um, because it sort of intertwines with the entertainment segment um, or stuff that we do. I was. On Apple Podcasts, I because I listen to a, a few different podcasts. I listen to a bunch of sports one. I listen to I listen to Crime Junkie actually, <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I wonder. I was like, there's got to be some sort of we do enough entertainment stuff, we do enough Marvel and DC stuff, and I was like, there's got to be a Marvel podcast somewhere that would be worth listening to. So I started looking up those podcasts, and I came across one that had nothing to do with Marvel necessarily not directly at least it's called who would win 
I'm giving a plug for a podcast. Um, it's called Who Would Win? And all it is is something that everybody's done in their life where they pick characters from any sci-fi, Marvel, DC, anything, and they have an actual debate show on who would win in a fight. And it's just a podcast centered around that. It, it mm-hmm. is genius. <laughs> I, it, is, it is a great idea. I was sitting there, and when I found it, I was like, there's no way I, nobody has done this before. It's only been around for, I think, two, three years. They have like 163 episodes. Um, I went all the way back to the first one. And pretty much the rules are each debater has three different arguments that they can make. There's a moderator, and the rules are whoever is in this fight, it's not necessarily a death match. It's um, who would be able to either completely eliminate or incapacitate them for at least two minutes to get away. And they have no time to prepare. So it's a chance encounter. Um, and it's been really interesting. They, the one that I listened to was James Bond versus the Joker. So oh, that, I didn't, I didn't think that that matchup was going to be. Uh, I think the Joker wipes the floor with James Bond. So the the, the moderator ended up deciding with um, the Joker. Um, I agreed with him on that one. Although the person who was arguing for James Bond made some very convincing points, I have to say. What? Um, they had one that was Captain Marvel versus Spawn. Um, the Captain Marvel in the comics, by the way, they were giving a background on Captain Marvel and sort of relaying some of her powers in the comics. In the comic book, I don't know how she loses. <laughs> they they made her so ridiculously over it, which makes, in my mind, her movie so much worse. <laughs> Because they read something that said Captain Marvel at one point, I think there was a fight in space, and one of her powers is she absorbs energy, right? She had gotten knocked out and was falling back towards Earth, and she regenerated and sort of powered up because she absorbed her own kinetic energy as she was falling back towards Earth. And the guy was making the joke, he was like, she could fall off a building and power up um, in that sense. So it was just that. And then they had talked about Spawn, which I knew not, I don't know anything about Spawn, but they that character also, I don't know how he would ever lose as well. That one was interesting. Um, the next one that I'm going to listen to is Green Lantern versus Voldemort. Um <laughs> uh, which is a very Green Lantern destroys. Dude, Green Lantern I so destroys. Too. I think so too. I, I, I'm gonna get that wrong. Yeah, I think get so too. I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how they would argue for it either way. But like, I'm Green I'm Lantern throws down. a train at him. Exactly. What's he gonna do? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but they have one of their most recent one is the A Team versus the Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting one. Uh, another recent one is Pac-Man versus the Fiddler. <laughs> uh, Pac-Man the arcade game? I think so. <laughs> uh, okay. And they titled it one of the most bizarre mashups in uh, the show's history. Um, Luke Cage versus the T-1000. Oh, the, so Terminator? the Terminator. And then the one one of the ones that I'm super excited to listen to eventually is Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Wolverine. I love Obi-Wan, but he's he gets destroyed by Wolverine. <laughs> he gets destroyed by Wolverine. There is no know. way. He got he lost to Count Dooku, a guy that can't even move. <laughs> and um, Wolverine's gonna just Oh, Wolverine would destroy. It's funny him. because it's funny because the one of the other episodes I got to listen to was Ray versus the Predator, and the moderator elected to go with Ray based on the arguments that had been made. And the thing that I just keep coming back to with Jedi is, you know, it's the Force. I mean, Wolverine can do whatever the hell he wants. They, he, if in my head, at least in the movies, like you, somebody who doesn't have the Force shouldn't get anywhere near. A Jedi, because as soon as they got close, it would just be just gonna push you away. So I don't know. If you eliminate the Force, 
then I think, yeah, because I think you're going to, because can't lightsabers cut through like almost yeah. anything, but like it'd adamantium, be able to, yeah, it'd be able but adamantium to is supposed to be like indestructible. So. But his, his claws broke, I thought. I think they, yeah, that's true. Is it, oh, it's vibranium. It's cap shield that is almost unbreakable. I don't know. They're both super hard. So, but I feel like the lightsaber would just kind of. I don't know. Interesting matches. Yeah, he does. So I don't don't know. It's a very interesting show. And I think for people who know a lot about those characters or enjoy sci-fi and comic book stuff, um, it's very good. And they do a very good job at... There's a lot of back and forth banter. It's a very informal show, kind of like ours. Um, But they do a very good job at sort of outlining who the... Like, I knew nothing about Spawn. And I felt like at the end of the episode, I knew a lot about it. So, and I felt like I could judge who would who would win. So, it's a very interesting show. And for anybody listening who enjoys stuff like that, it's a genius concept for a show. It really is. You think uh, good enough for a certain show to try it sometime? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think we could have our own uh, as long as we give credit to it, <laughs> exactly who we're doing it. Um, right. and where it came from um, but yeah I mean, I mean we've done it in, in spades I mean we argued Infinity War over Endgame everybody does it um, so it's not like it's an unoriginal concept but they just decided to center a show around it so very, it's a very neat show very neat show so I had to give some praise to that because I thought it was genius and I enjoyed what's it, this what's it called one more time who would win? And the um, the logo for it is right here. I mean, it'll be backwards, but it's yeah, it's just who would win. Um, that's all it's called. Uh, it's got a four point seven out of five star rating on Apple Podcasts with nine hundred and seventy two reviews. So that's I don't even think that t- that touches our five star rating. I think we have like fourteen. So. But that I don't think we've matter. dropped. From, I don't think we've dropped from five stars. So, I mean, we're at five, and Crime Junkies at four point eight. So, although they have like three hundred thousand, it, it doesn't matter, man. That's true. That's true. It's something you can't take away. All righty. Well, that caps episode one twenty five of Nothing to Say the Fan Podcast. By the time we roll around to next week a brand new Marvel show will have come out it comes out on March 30th um, that'll be Moon Knight so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that if we've both seen the episode by then so Oscar Isaac looks like it's, like it's going to be a good show the I mean the NFL just keeps on giving so we'll see where we stand next week with, with who's moved and who hasn't moved and then the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. So a lot to look forward to in the world of sports and entertainment. We just capped episode 125. Man, that's a lot of episodes. We've been doing this for a while. So thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And uh, stay safe. We'll see you all next week.